Amen. Can you hear me? I'll put this closer. Good afternoon, everyone. I want to first thank uh, Pastor Kokfai and the church for giving me this chance to speak uh, to you today. I take this responsibility, uh, it's a great responsibility, and I'm very grateful for it. Also, the worship team was great, so I want to give thanks to the worship team again. I always enjoy the worship here at PPH. Uh, since Pastor already introduced my wife, but I will still do that again. Uh, that's my wife, Lydia, in front. That's the reason why I'm here, because I was chasing after her. Uh, but when we were dating, uh, I wanted to make it very clear to her that I was very keen on getting married soon. Because I was 35 and the urge to merge was strong in this one here. And so I told Lydia, Lydia, I have three marriage role models, three couples that were my marriage role models. Hint, hint. And one of them were actually uh, in Singapore. And they were premarital counselors here. So eventually we did go for premarital counseling, both with my, uh, that couple, and also at PPH. So during the premarital counselling, we covered a number of very important topics. The first topic was around communication, around how to have a good fight, uh, issues of money, uh, also sex, but also very importantly, the issue of marital faithfulness. So the husband began to share his own struggles with marital faithfulness, but I was not prepared for what he was about to share. So he started sharing about the innocent flirting that he started to have with a fellow co-worker. The flirting became long lunches, and then after work uh, time, and they spent time together, and then text messages that went back and forth. Eventually, the darkness grew. He didn't tell anyone about this, but it became a greater and greater fantasy. And then eventually, he had a plan, just telling to Lydia and I, we were both shell-shocked. He was telling us that the plan was to how to get away with adultery without getting caught. What is darkness? Darkness is the absence of light. And in this case, the husband, my friend, was living by himself. He told no one. His plans became greater and greater, and darkness was descending upon him. But thankfully, he told another brother, and that brother confronted him and told him, you must tell your wife about this and expose this. And he did. And he was saved from a very big mistake. And he was saved from this act. And so the light came in when this other brother confronted him and said, you must tell your wife. Now, certainly, it was really not very pleasant after that after the wife found out, but certainly it was a much better outcome. So today, brothers and sisters, I want to share with you about a topic of moving from darkness into the light. We are now talking about Ephesians, and if you've been with us for a couple of weeks now, a couple of months, we've been talking through the book of Ephesians. We are now in Ephesians 5. When we first started, we, Ephesians 4 and 6 is very simple. It's about how you live in a community of Christ. In Ephesians 4, Pastor Kokfai, uh, two weeks ago, started talking about living in unity. So how does one live in unity? We do so by walking with humility, gentleness, patience, and forbearance. 
And then Pastor Chi Ming last week continued on to talk about putting off the old self and putting on the new self. And he talked about how you and I, you're a prince, you're a princess, but we may not act like royalty, but we have a new identity in Christ. In the same way, in this week's uh, sermon, last week was contrasting the old self and the new self. This week, I want to talk to you about contrasting darkness and light. And so let's read Ephesians 5. If you have your Bibles or you can look at the screen, let us read together Ephesians 5. One, two, three. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words because of such things. God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. <coughs> and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not be drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, amen. So, in Ephesians 5, the first two verses is a continuation of chapter 4. The word therefore usually means something came before that, and therefore you should look at this. So the therefore in this case refers to the fact that we should take off the old and put on the new. Therefore, live as God's beloved children and walk in the way of love. So it's a continuation. In, chapter, in verses 3 to 7, I'll just give a quick overview. He talks about the fruitless deeds of darkness. So he describes certain things that happen when one is in darkness, then he talks about exposing the darkness to light. And finally, he talks about living in the light and being filled with the Spirit. So that's the rough overview. Darkness, exposure, light. So I'm going to start now by sharing with you some of these fruitless deeds of darkness. <clears throat> there are three that we'll take up. The first is around... What Paul says, not even a hint of sexual immorality. 
Now the word here, sexual immorality, is the word porneia in Greek. And sounds familiar, right? Porneia, pornography. So it refers to actions between two people that are not married. And to the people in Ephesus, what does this mean? So to do that, let me just describe to you what Ephesus was like. Uh, today, Ephesus is located in present-day Turkey. Uh, it's called Ephes. That's the name. Uh, and in Ephes, if you've been to Ephes, there's a tour that they bring you on in the ancient city. It's a very rich city because when you go there, you can still see marble architecture still up. The theater is still partially there. So it's a rich city. It's a port city where there's a lot of trade and people were rich. But what was interesting is that in the middle of the city, there's a line, a street full of brothels. And that, and that enthusiastic uh, tour group agent was trying to tell us about the brothels. And so at that point in time, uh, prostitution was a very common part of society. It's also a very important part of the economy. It really powers a big part of the economy. But because it was a rich city, there was also a lot of things that were going on. Now, this city worshipped the goddess of fertility, Artemis. And so, fertility, sexuality were all tied up together. And so, as part of what was common, uh, in addition to prostitution, what was very common was that uh, the older men of the city would actually have younger teenage boys as sexual partners, and that was common and accepted. Also, having sexual parties was a very common part of showing your wealth, where you have groups of people coming together to indulge in sex together. So imagine the shock when Paul says to them, not even a hint of sexual immorality. So all these things, the prostitution that happens in public, the orgies that were common, and the show of wealth by having boys as sexual partners was no longer allowed. But more than that, Jesus took it one step further. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 7, I tell you, anyone that looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in his heart. So what was difficult is that not only is prostitution, all these acts, and also obviously adultery is no longer allowed. It's even adultery of the eyes. Now, in today's context, I don't think that many of us here, well, at least not that I know of, uh, indulge openly in prostitution or go to sexual parties over the weekend or have teenage boys as sexual partners. But I would say that in today's context, sexual immorality is still just as prevalent and it's different today. And I would say that pornography and the lust of the eyes has overtaken and is done in secret and in darkness. Um, when I was in college, uh, I, in my last year, I took a lot of classes in my first semester. I took seven, actually, my last, second last semester, and then I only had one left in my last semester. The reason why I did that was because I wanted to have a lot of free time. And it was because I wanted to be a part-time staff of Campus Crusade for Christ in my university. So I had one class. That class was an easy class, so I had a lot of time. And so I would lead Bible studies. I had a lot of uh, younger brothers who, were, who I mentored. And I went for a lot of events all around town. Uh, and also part of Campus Crusade, I went for leadership meetings. But because when you have a lot of free time, you start picking up 
pretty bad habits because your mind is so idle. And one thing that I picked up was actually an addiction to pornography. So this was Joshua Chu, by day, student leader extraordinaire, leading lots of Bible studies. But by night, I was living in darkness, being trapped by the addiction of pornography. And I told no one. How could I tell anyone? Because the shame was so great, leading Bible studies and then being addicted to pornography. But that was my reality then. I'll tell you more later about how this uh, evolved. But that's the first fruitless deed of darkness, porneia, sexual immorality. Now, the second one that I want to highlight is maybe less obvious, but also very prevalent in, in the time at FS. The second is around greed. Paul says, not even a hint of greed. And that greedy person, that person is an idolater. So I ask myself, why is a greedy person an idolater? So, brothers and sisters, what is an idol? An idol is something or someone that you put your trust in, something or someone that you put your hope in, your security in, and that you value and you worship in. And so, the greedy person, in this case, puts his or her trust in wealth or possessions. And that's why that person's an idol. And in Ephesus, in Ephesus where wealth was commonly celebrated, one puts their hope and trust in wealth, and thus, that's why that greedy person is an idolater. Now, like many of you, uh, when I first started work, you don't have much money when you first start work, so you don't think of yourself as greedy, right? Uh, but, and also, I used to wonder, like, this is not really an issue that I thought I had. And also, I always wondered why families would fight over money. I didn't, never quite understood that. But in my own family, I had three uncles who no longer talked to each other because of money. Something happened, and then the family gets split apart. And this happens all over. And I see shaking heads, especially among the older people in the church today, that they know and they've seen this happen. So I always wonder how this could happen to my uncles. But then, and then one day, it happened to me. I bought my first car, uh, my first brand new car. I had old cars you know, before. Once I bought a car from a drug auction, uh, so that car was very cheap. Uh, but I bought my first real car. It's a really nice car, red leather seats, um, all that. But after using it for only one year, I had to give it up because I came because of Lydia. <laughs> so Lydia, you're more precious to me than a car. So the car was sitting back in, in Malaysia. Uh, I didn't use it, right, because I was here. And my older brother started to use it uh, a couple of days at a time. And then eventually started using it all the time. So whenever, whenever I went back home, I would see, I would use like, I would look carefully and notice, oh, there's a few scratches that appear here and there. Then a few bumps. And this really started getting at me. And then eventually, I got so upset, I told my brother, why don't you just buy over the car since you use it all the time? You need a car. I don't need a car. Why don't you consider buying it? And then the problems really started. What was the price to pay for this car? And so my brother offered a price that I felt was 
far too low. Deep inside, I was seething with anger. I got so upset and I couldn't sleep. I could not sleep because this disturbed me so very much. Uh, Lydia knows that I have no trouble sleeping every night. Put my head to the pillow, I'm out. But through this period of time, I became so obsessed and so possessed and so angry that my brother would dare take advantage of me. How dare you? And I shared this with Lydia, and I shared this with my accountability partner. And as I was talking to them, it became very evident. I no longer owned the car. The car owned me. The car became a source of security. And if you touched my car, you touched at the core of my security, and it disturbed me so very much, so very much. And I held on to the car in my hand with a tight grip, and God wanted me to let go. So greed is not about having a lot of things. And for people, in, for a lot of us in the second service, we may not have a super yacht like Joe Lau. You know, that, that may, be a, may be seem to be greedy to a lot of people, having a yacht, having a private plane. But even when we have little, we can also have this idol of greed and of wealth. And so this was, this was the situation that I was in. And so it's very insidious. It slowly creeps in when we put our trust and hope in wealth and possessions. The third area of uh, darkness that I want to highlight is around what Paul says, obscenity, foolish talk, and cross-joking. And I, I wonder why this piece of advice in the midst of all this. And as I did some more research, it's partly because what was common is that after your party that you held, that sexual orgy, you would boast about it because you wanted to flaunt your wealth. You wanted to flaunt the partners that you had, the boys that you, you kept as part of your, uh, your sexual harem. And so people would boast and make jokes that were obscene because it was commonly accepted. Now, how does this apply to us at PPH? I doubt that many of us here in this room will boast about you know, spending time at Geylang, you know, uh, apart from eating the frog's legs, but we'll boast at Geylang about our sexual endeavors at Geylang. I doubt that many of us will boast about sexual orgies that we went through or even that we keep young boys as sexual partners. And so instead of focusing on what we shouldn't talk about, maybe I should talk about, I should focus on what we should talk about. So if you look at Ephesians 4.29 that Chiming preached last week, it says here, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up. Clearly, obscene jokes, coarse joking and boasting about sexual conquest falls into the category of unwholesome talk. But actually, a lot falls into it. Uh, gossip falls into it. And at church, you know, we are victims of this. We share prayer requests, but sometimes we share prayer requests with the... It, we share juicy gossips around us in church. At the workplace, we talk about other colleagues, but sometimes we talk about it to put people down so that we are lifted up. 
And I think instead of focusing on what you shouldn't talk about, let me maybe turn it around and talk about what we should focus on. And I think what's really important is that in this case, unwholesome talk obviously tears people down, but instead, let's focus on what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. So maybe you have a friend. This friend, when he talks or when she talks, after they're finished, you feel almost it's a bit of dirt because there's only sarcasm, there's only words that are critical, there are only words that are built to put you down or embarrass you. And maybe there's a friend that you have, after talking to them, you are uplifted. Your spirit is lifted up because the person brings joy, the person brings encouragement, the person actively encourages you. Uh, I promise not to embarrass Lydia, but I will say this of Lydia, and I'm very thankful for her because she has built me up. And in a marriage, uh, your, your wife has a very powerful tool. He and your husband, or she or he, can easily build you up as your spouse or easily tear you down. And you will see this because your spouse or your, your husband or your wife knows your deepest, darkest uh, issues and can easily build you up or just crush you like a bug in front of everyone. And I'm thankful for Lydia because Lydia always speaks well of me in public. She always encourages me and only admonishes, admonishes me in private. And that really has encouraged me a lot. So thank you, Lydia, for that. But for this last point, I want to encourage you, focus on building others up. And when a temptation is there to criticize, to tear down and say, not so good, hold back your tongue and resist it and focus on what is building up others. You know, uh, just a tip that I received from uh, Lois, who attends the first service, if your wife is right, please admit it. And if you are right, husbands, shut up. <laughs> it's really helpful. Uh, for the men in this room, you know what I mean. So I've described to you certain fruitless deeds of darkness, pornea, sexual immorality, greed, and foolish talk that tears or is unwholesome. So, but I want you to tell, talk to the person next to you and pat them on the back and say, wake up, pat them on the back, just say, wake up. Yeah? If you're falling, say, wake up. And now is the good news. We have good news now. The good news is this, that you were once darkness. You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. You are light in the Lord. And this is great news because this means that now we are no longer slaves to sin, but we can be a slave to righteousness. So it's important to notice that it says here you are light in the Lord because we ourselves can't be light on our own. But we are light because the light of God shines on us and we reflect the light of God. So it's a bit like the moon, right? The moon, the last night was a full moon, I think. The moon is bright, not because it is a source of light. It is bright because it shines the sun's rays. So in the same way, we are light now because Christ has shined on us. Awake, O sleeper, the light of Christ has shined upon you. And so 
you may ask Joshua, I don't feel like light. I certainly am not living like light. In fact, I feel like I'm living in darkness. It is common and it is normal because I too, like you, at times struggle with darkness. But this doesn't mean that we are not royalty. This does not mean that we are not light. So as I mentioned earlier, Pastor Chi uh, Ming gave this example. We are now royalty. You're now a prince, you're now a princess, but you may not act like royalty. But by the grace of God, by His work in our lives, we will eventually act like royalty. And that is the promise that you and I have. So on to the good news. So the good news is this. We are now light. And so how do we live in the light? I want you to, let's read um, verses 13. Chapter 5, verses 13. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. The first thing that exposes darkness is light. So we have to expose darkness. And how do you do that? Well, practically, it means confessing your sins to God and to one another. The scripture says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1.9. So God says, if we confess our sin to Him, He will purify us from all unrighteousness. But beyond that, it goes beyond that. Paul, oh, in the book of James, it also says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And I want to encourage you to go beyond just confession after the sin has happened. Why don't you live life in radical accountability where you are open to others? So even before darkness comes in, you are open to the light from other people in Christ. Because as we live in the body of Christ, we have this fellowship that we have that's able to expose darkness. Uh, to continue on with the story that I had about from my college days, so I was stuck in this addiction to pornography. It was a very dark period of my life. And what set me free was not willpower. It was not forcing myself to not uh, view pornography. It was actually exposing the light, exposing the darkness to light. And what I did was, eventually I, I shared, and for those of you who are here, uh, I shared about accountability in the past uh, with Albert Wong. Uh, it's a long story, but I became accountable to Albert, and I shared with him, I shared with him for the first time, with anyone, my own struggles with pornography. I shared with him, and to even make it more difficult, uh, what we did was we had a list. So whenever we met, we met weekly, we created a list of questions. At the start of our relationship, our friendship, we wrote a list of questions that he and I would ask each other whenever we met. And we passed this list over to the other person. So on this list, top of my list was the question, have you been pure with your eyes? Have you stayed away from pornography? That was my first question. 
then there were other questions about my own struggles. It goes on. And the last question was, uh, have you lied? Have you lied to any of the questions above? Because that's very possible, right? But this truly helped because I no longer was living in darkness by myself, but having this other light shine right in, it really changed how I could deal with this issue in my life. And not only that, we went even a step further. We installed software on our computers that allowed the other person to see what we were seeing. And so this made sure that I could not hide anymore in darkness. What I saw was seen by my accountability department. And today, now with Lydia, Lydia has access to my phone. Her fingerprint opens my iPhone right now. Uh, in terms of Google, whenever I search, we have the same account. So whatever I search, she will also see, you know, so, and vice versa. But this form of radical, open transparency has really set me free. And I don't, don't want to underemphasize how important it is. And it's not just important for pornography. It's important for every part of our life. If you have radical accountability and transparency, it is very hard for darkness to hide because there's always a constant source of light in that room. That really, really helps. So that's how I became set free. Beyond exposing the darkness to the light, to live in the light, to live as light, we have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And here, I want to read uh, to you from verses 18. Yes, verse 18. You can read with me. Verse 18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. So do not get drunk on wine, but instead be filled with the Spirit. Have you asked yourselves, why does Scripture compare getting drunk on wine with being filled with the Holy Spirit? I don't think it's because wine is considered a kind of spirit. So it's not spirit alcohol and spirit Holy Spirit. I don't think it's that. And plus, I don't think the word Greek uh, was the same also. It's not the same. But the way I, as I started studying this, it became apparent to me, is because when you are drunk on wine, you are controlled by wine. And when you're controlled by wine, you do stupid, foolish actions. However, when you are filled with the Spirit, you are controlled by the Spirit, and then it leads you to righteousness and acts. And so, if I were to paraphrase this verse, it says this, do not be controlled by wine, but be controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. Now, if you are a believer of Jesus Christ today, we all have the Holy Spirit. However, even though we may have the Holy Spirit, but we may not be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's because we may have the Holy Spirit, but we are not controlled, we are not empowered by the Holy Spirit, and we grieve the Holy Spirit. So what Paul says to the church is this, pray that you may be filled to the Spirit, pray that you may be empowered, pray that you may be controlled by the Holy Spirit, and that helps us to flee from darkness, and that helps us to live in the light. And Paul says in Ephesians 3, verse 17, 
He prays for the church. I pray that you may grasp how wide and how long and how deep and how high is the love of Christ, that you may be filled to the measure of all fullness of God. And that's the prayer for you, my friend. You know, on our own strength, we can't, we are not able to expose the darkness. On our own strength, we fall weak. But with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit empowers us, the Holy Spirit controls us, we will have the strength. So with man, it is impossible, but with God, it is possible. And so, my, my encouragement to you is this, to live in the light, ask God to fill you and control you and empower you as you learn to deal with darkness. And lastly, I want to end off with <coughs> this third point. To live in the light, we need thankfulness. We need thankfulness. And so, in, I'll just continue reading from verses 19. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. What does thankfulness have to do with darkness? What does thankfulness have to do with the battle against darkness? I asked myself that question, and so I got some help from John Piper. I'll read to you from John Piper. Imagine for a moment that your city is surrounded by enemy forces who are out there to destroy you. And as I was reading this, I told Lydia that I pictured a scene from The Lord of the Rings where the orcs were surrounding the castle and they were all ready to pounce. And I love big battle scenes. Uh, that's my vice. I love the battle scenes. I love blood and gore and all that good stuff. But in this scene, imagine for a moment that you're in a city and you discover that there is a song. And if you sing that song, the orcs that are all around you will flee because they cannot stand that sound of that song. And so when you discover the song, you will naturally want to sing the song. You will sing the song in the morning. You will sing it in the evening before you go to bed. And as your confidence grows, you will sing it even when you venture out into the streets. Now you're going out of the castle. You venture out, you sing this song because the enemy starts to move back. And the more you sing this song, the more steady and deep and fearless and serene your life will become. And others around you will hear this song and then they will learn this song and then they will sing it with you. My brothers and sisters, you and I, already know this song. This song is a song of thankfulness. This is a song of thankfulness. When we sing this song of thankfulness to thank God for the lives that we have, for the family that we have, for all that we have, darkness has to flee. Satan cannot stand this song he cannot be in the presence of this song of thankfulness. So I encourage you, brothers and sisters, to sing this song when you wake up in the morning and to sing this song before you sleep. Because if you are in darkness, 
The darkness has to flee because Satan cannot stand it. So I want to just summarize. I started off with a story about one of my marriage models, my marriage role models. When he started sharing with me about the darkness that he was in, and when he started sharing with me about how he was trying to commit adultery without getting caught, it really shook me because he was my marriage role model. If anyone, it wouldn't be him. It cannot be him. But he was open. He was transparent. And he shared that. And it really encouraged myself and Lydia. What he did was he exposed the darkness that was in his life. So I encourage you this day, if you are struggling with any form of darkness by yourself, maybe it's sexual immorality, maybe it's the greed and the love of the possessions that surround you, or maybe it's the words that you speak that you cannot help yourself, but whenever you speak, it comes out words that are discouraging, that are disparaging, that tear down. If you're struggling with darkness or any form, I have good news for you. You are now light in Christ, and Christ can set us free. Expose that darkness. Don't struggle by yourself. And not only expose it, ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit, to empower you so that you can be set free. And also, finally, sing this song of thankfulness. Because when this song of thankfulness takes over your life, the evil one cannot be there. Let us pray. I want to invite the musicians to come up on stage. Now, this topic is a really tough topic to talk about because It's a battle between the darkness that we were once, uh, that we were once darkness, but now light has come, and there is a battle. And I know today that even as I preach this topic, there are people among us, brothers and sisters, that you know the Lord has spoken to you today. You know that the Lord has spoken to you, and is tugging at your heart. I encourage you, you don't have to struggle by yourself. I want to encourage you right now to ask God and to confess the struggles that you have to God. Wherever you are right now, I just want you to come before God and as a that you want to respond to God, I encourage you to open up your palms. It's a sign to God. God, help me. See my open hands. Help me. I struggle. Even though I'm now a light, I'm now a light in the Lord, I struggle with that. So help me with my sin. Help me. So I want to just give you a moment to respond to God. And He is here. He is present. Let the love of Christ fill you now. Let you know that 
after you confess this to God, He will help you and He will set you free. And I encourage you, don't leave this weekend without making a commitment and a desire to God to say, God, I want to have radical accountability. I want to live life transparently. I want to live life where light shines and I'm open to my brothers and sisters in Christ that I can struggle, but God, you will help me. Make this commitment to be radical in your transparency and your accountability. And ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit that He may encourage you, strengthen you, and fill you with thankfulness. Now, there's another group. If you do not know Jesus Christ today, and you don't know God, I want to encourage you that God loves you. You may feel that you're not worthy of God. You may feel that you may have done things that are too shameful, that were done in the dark, but cannot be brought to light. My brother, my sister, I have good news for you. Christ came to set you free. So I also want to encourage you, may you respond, open up your palms and tell the person that you brought you here today that you want to know this Jesus Christ that was talked about, for He will set you free. Praise the one who set me 
pray. Lord Father, indeed, Lord Father, we were once darkness, but now we are light in the Lord. God, we may not feel like it, but God, it is the truth that you have come and have set us free from the bondage of darkness. So God, help us, Lord Father, to live lives of radical transparency and accountability. Help us, Lord Father, to live empowered and controlled by the Holy Spirit. And help us live lives to be thankful for the blessings that you have given us, O Lord Father. Lord Father, even as we live today, I pray that you will empower my brothers and sisters in Christ, that we may live to serve you and honour you every day of our lives, Lord Father. We thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. If you need prayer, uh, feel free to come to the front. We'll have people praying for you. Have a good day. God bless you.